Podcast. Welcome to Get Real with Dr. Ronay, Doctor of Clinical Psychology and Trauma Specialist. Dr. Ronay Calvert is Executive Director of Live Treatment Concierge Services. Live Treatment provides a unique wraparound approach of concierge services in person and virtually, specifically tailored to each client with a level of effectiveness that transcends any other program. In her daily experience of guiding clients to recovery and emotional freedom, Dr. Renee Calvert gets real to shed light on subjects that have remained in the shadows with courage and compassion. Joined by Bindi Height, international spiritual coach and mentor from Ethical Change Agency, with the mission to inspire change makers and holistic healers to create collective change to make the world a better place through the power of human connection, purpose, and podcasts. It's time to get real. Hey, Renee. Hey, Bindi. Now, we have a super special guest with us today. Uh, ben Sorensen is joining us all the way from Melbourne. Uh, he's a quirky, eccentric, bearded media personality, voiceover guy, writer, music lover, comedian, presenter of stuff, and unable to leap tall buildings. <laughs> Ben is also available as a keynote speaker and consultant in the areas of autism, Asperger's, conscious kindness, comedy, advertising, social media, and marketing. Welcome, Ben. Oh, it is such a pleasure to be here. Absolutely amazing. Love <laughs> it. You've ticked off all the little boxes of things that I do. Bang on. It makes it sound like I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> You do do a lot of stuff. Oh, it's full utilization of asset. It sounds like it's it's a lot, but it's it's all just how can I keep my brain fed? There you go. Very you important. Go. Extremely important. Life is a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Now, today we're actually going to talk about... Um, salmonella. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say life is a highway, but if you're here in uh, in Los Angeles, California, you know that that means that you're always stagnant and waiting <laughs> for traffic. So, um, you know, you know, I love the song, um, but at the same time, we got a you know, different metaphor when you're here in Los Angeles because it means you're not going anywhere at all fast. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of potholes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, actually, the the uh, the old trick with the potholes, and I'm um, I'm happy to share that this with you now, uh, because it's just the three of us. It's a little little secret. So, if the council or local authority don't want to fill the pothole, then um, just spray paint a penis around it, <laughs> <laughs> and then people will be offended by it, and then the council will go, "Well, I have to remove it." And in order to remove it, they fill in the pothole. Oh, my gosh. I, our audience is going to be getting out spray cans. and I Totally. LA's going to be I, full of dicks. Yeah, you know what? It already is to such an extent, but what a great use of them, though. Like yeah. What a great use. If you, if you have to be full of dicks, make them useful dicks. You know? Uh, Seriously. Totally great. Yeah, totally useful, use, useful dicks. That's what we're going for. Yes. A function other than procreation. Exactly. A function of, <laughs> yeah, a function other than procreation or association with a terrible personality. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. I've just fixed the transport problem in uh, LA. What's next? <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Now, uh, dang, your brain turns me on. Neurodiversity, disorder, or evolution? And uh, Ben, we want to get um, your input on this, obviously, um, with your life experience. But before we get started, we might actually have a look at what the definition is for um, autism spectrum disorder, according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, they say that autism spectrum disorder is a developmental disability that can cause sig significant social communication and behavioural changes. There's often nothing about how people with ASD look uh, that sets them apart from other people, but people with ASD may communicate, interact, behave and learn in ways that are different from most other people. The learning, thinking and problem-solving abilities of people with ASD can range from gifted to severely challenged. Some people with ASD may need a lot of help in their daily lives and others need less. Yeah, I'd go with that. I feel like... <laughs> 
feel like CDs save, you know, they know a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I probably I'd use more colourful language um, because I think I think that's a bit it's a bit dry, mm-hmm. like a, you mm-hmm. know, just like a bit of toast without butter on it. It's like <laughs> I feel like they could sort of jazz it up a bit. Um, look, it's a really really broad spectrum, uh, and. They have this great line, when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person because everyone's different. And one of the things, and I I think it's really interesting, so there's uh, social skills, still really huge problem for me and for a lot of people, and it's a case of uh, being, uh, and with with a few autistic people, being really, really... um, clear about what you know and what you don't know. So, for example, if I uh, I will work up to the edge of my social skills, so I'll be, I'll appear normal, 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 edge of the social skills, boom, severely disabled, no idea what's going on. So I think, and sometimes I get myself into lots of trouble um, because I, I miss cues or I think I'm getting the social cues but I totally miss it um and recovery is not a strong point because in order to recover from that you need social skills so I spend most of my most of my days most of my world masking and I mask really really well uh to the point where I make a living out of it so um working on those social skills Totally. It's a really, really big thing. And it's uh, it's a cognitive process for me as opposed to an intuitive one. So um, neuro uh, neurologically typical people do a lot of what autistic people try to do uh, cognitively. They do it intuitively. And I think I read a research paper somewhere and I, for the life of me, I can't remember uh, who did it or anything about it, but the key takeaway I got from it was that autistic people use two to three times the amount of energy that a neurologically typical person does in a day to do the same thing. And it's all to do with that, uh, the high energy expense of reading faces and social cues. Yeah. So it's so amazing that you should talk about social skills and whatnot um, for our listeners and those who may be tuning in for the first time, um, Live Treatment, which is our concierge program, uh, takes one individual and wraps around them with their own individual team, their own unique team. And one of the things that we do practice, both with um, speech and social therapists, as well as case managers, and we practice it on the ground, are social skills. Um, It's really obvious on the outside, but not always obvious when you're kind of looking in on the situation that in order to interact socially or in order to change something that happens in relation to another person, you actually have to be in relation with another person. So it's not something you can solve on your own. It's something that takes practice Mm. and patience. And it's something that, um, it's something that, you know, it's like a skill. It's a skill set that you build. Um, The idea of fake it till you make it, you know, is really something I think you've, you know, just mentioned, like you said, you you make living of it, you know, and not everyone is as fortunate to know how to kind of hide or, or, well, let me take that back. It's not really. No, 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 no. That's, that's totally, hide is totally correct. Okay. Because when we, uh, it is about hiding because. Uh, the modern society that we live in has such a low tolerance for different. Yes. And all of all of my autistic issues with society go away mm-hmm. if we are a uh, inclusive society with uh, kindness and more so capacity for kindness. And not only does that make individually my autistic world better it actually makes everyone's world better you know so i mean i think i think we fear what we don't understand and for me in my work and really just in being a human being forget work and the way i choose to look at the world um what's wrong with it versus what's right with it 
And, you know, in every situation where you're presented, you know, obviously you have to be in reality. There are, there are challenges, there are difficulties. You can't overlook them. You can't pink cloud. You can't, we you can't know, have your head in the stars. <laughs> exactly. Nor would I ever want to be. God bless. Oh. Um, uh, ter- terrible job for someone like me. I, t- I have a terrible poker face. Uh, I'm just way, I'm just way, way too authentic for that. Um, and uh, I guess that's, that's where, you know, my neurology is, is that I, I can't lie to save my life. Um, the, the idea is, you know, um, looking at what's right with the situation or how to change something that we see as something to fear because we fear that which we don't understand. Um, the more we understand it and the more we under, the more we level the playing field, you know, I think that's really, really where connection happens. And, and it's not just about even tolerance or acceptance, it's really, like you said, it's about inclusion. It's not I tolerate you or I accept you. It's it's equality. It's mm. your, you are, you are human. I am human, you know, and I don't know what in the hell normal is, to be very honest with you. When someone comes to me and they say, you know, I, I just want to be normal. And I go, what does that mean to you? And generally speaking, what they're talking about is a list of, attributes that they have learned through voices and influences in their lives that don't belong to them mm. um that kind of play like a tape recorder did you in their say, head did you say influences or influencers oh b- both i said influences but yes i mean media big big right um yeah. in influences in our personal lives and our public lives whatever the case may be they set the tone oftentimes for what we think are our opinions of ourselves. And it's not really true. This idea of what normal is, is something that's been taught. It's something that we've learned through, you know, trying to adapt to what society tells us we ought to be or we need to Mm. be. And obviously social skills are, are clearly important. It's a survival mechanism, but it's very difficult to learn social skills if you feel like you are coming at it from a place of feeling shamed and feeling um, like you are an outcast or like you are very misunderstood or almost kind of like, you know, like, like someone's looking in on you, like you're in a zoo and Mm. we're kind of like, Oh, how's the, you know, How's the, how's the, how's the chimpanzee doing today? You know, when the reality is at the end of the day, um, what we're really talking about, and I I love the word and, 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 you know, I think many of us who are in the mental health field or who have, you know, really had practice working with all, all people from all walks of life have heard the word and have utilized the, the verbiage neurodiverse, but to many people that, that, literal verbiage is something that they've never heard of before. Mm. They've only heard of disorder. They've heard of diagnosis. They've heard abnormal. They've heard disabled. Um, And that, you know, the idea of neurodiversity to me is that that is an all encompassing word. It's, it's really, we are all neurodiverse. There is no, like, I love what you said about, you know, when you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person. Um, That applies so much across the board. You wanna talk about inclusion. That that applies so much across the board to so many different labels that Mm. we put on people. And I, I understand diagnoses. It's necessary to have one to understand how to treat, to understand how to have a treatment plan, to understand what that looks like for each individual. You have to have a starting point. But beyond a diagnosis that's on a piece of paper that can apply to anyone, so, what right. then needs to happen is who is Ben? Who is Rene? Who is Bindi? Who are we as individuals? Because if we are only what we are on paper, then somebody thinks they know everything they need to know about us by a list of symptoms that may or may not apply to any way that we present in the world. Um, and it certainly doesn't allow really for growth. It kind of boxes us in. 
It tells us who we are. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's a form of education, right? Okay, this person is neurodiverse, so I need to have this understanding and compassion. It can also be a box that we put people in where it's kind of like, okay, so you're in this abnormal box over here. And like I said before, show me normal and I'll show you a liar. Mm. There, there is no normal. There is no normal other than what someone said was normal based on their experience or their expectation. And even if we look at what that normal is, it changes over time. But um, I think that uh, the a diagnosis is a good, uh, I call it a head start. Yes. So rather than reinventing the wheel, <laughs> you're going, Ah, oh, okay, so maybe now I've got a Google search term, I can mm. connect with others or I can find some some hacks like I, you know, we all did or I did with sleep or with other things. Uh, I also love the word that you used, uh, verbiage. <laughs> love it. And uh, I'm just wondering what the collective noun for verbiage is. Is it a like a shrubbery or...? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think we should definitely use that. I love it. I love it. Verbiage uh, and, and shrubbery yes. for many verbiages. I, I love it. I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to name a plant. Um, I'm going to create a hybrid plant yeah. and yep, call absolutely. it and call it and call it verbiage. A hybrid yeah. plant. Where do you put the batteries? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love it. I think when we when we when we look at autism and we look at um, organisations that uh, try and help with autism, some people some do, some don't. Um, I think the important thing and one of the things that I, I've seen has has missed the mark a little bit is uh, everyone's talking about it from how how to out how, how to appear and present. Uh, more in line with what we consider to be social norms as opposed to what's happening inside. So you see a lot of really damaging programs out there that go, uh, we will get your uh, train your autistic kid like a dog. And incidentally, I love dogs. Um, but we'll train your autistic kid like a dog to fit in at school as opposed to going... What trauma is that doing on the inside? Why don't we look at how to build a uh, a resilient kind human that can function as opposed to burning 150% of that kid's energy into um, violently forcing him into be whatever we consider to be normal or whatever we consider will be uh, fitting in with a school group or something as opposed to just relaxing some of the rules and you know creating a happy human happier human i think that's so so integral on so many levels um of treatment of schooling the like we were talking about before the 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 encoding what we believe about ourselves what we're told about ourselves we should be like this um and I often wonder, you know, when we're talking about the statistics of one in 59 children are being born um, with ASD, um, you know, there's so many different theories out there, born, made, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the CDC indicates, you know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention indicates that one in 59 children are mm -hmm. born with ASD. Now, to me, again, looking at it from my perspective, looking at outside the box, right? I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how many times in our lives, historically, have we labeled something, a disorder or a diagnosis or a deficiency, and we come to realize over time that what we are really looking at is an evolutionary process mm. that because we don't understand it or we're going by a label, um, 
because we're looking at the problem and that the solution is conformity, not inclusion, um, but conforming to without explanation, right? I'd love to know, and I want to go back to this question with you because I know that you are probably the perfect person to talk to, like you said, no two people are the same. Mm. But if you had a little child sitting in front of you, I'd like to know how you would explain to them what they have and what they're going to need to do about it um, and what they should, what they should, you know, I want to really hear you, you know, act, you know, play that out with me, that conversation, because yeah. that's really integral, I think. Well, uh, um, I, I actually think the short answer is that uh, they should prepare for war. We're going to uh, band together and rise up against the neurologically typical and take over the world. I actually I th- believe that I think that's that might true. be a little bit too much. No, it, it, I actually, I actually think that that's you know it. I I, I love it, and I, I see you laughing, and I'm I. But at the at the same time too, like I you know, okay, we're seeing one fifty nine children being born into this world with neurodiversity. That's only the ones that we have diagnosed by the way mm-hmm. okay not all the ones that are undiagnosed not all the ones that are um you know what they call in in, in our world psychology non non otherwise specified nos okay so it's like you know um non-verbal learning disability yeah another acronym exactly just like acronym after acronym right and you know no two people are created equal yes there that that's why the idea of spectrum is so important, right? Mm-hmm. But while we are understanding how to help those who struggle, what we also need to be looking at is as an evolutionary process, if we are really looking at this scientifically, there have to be deviations and morphing and things like that along the way as evolution continues to develop. Darwin and what wrote I, a bit about that. Yeah, right? And, you know, and what I'm seeing when I look at neurodiverse people, each unique individual has something so important to offer and their way of thinking or approaching a situation, the skill sets that they need to develop, the resiliency that they need to develop, but more important than just the resiliency and the strength and the courage that it takes to walk through life is the appreciation that may be lacking in what they actually have to offer. Because when I have these conversations, what it always what it always impresses me is that there's this completely different and yet exceptionally important way of looking at a problem or, or figuring out a solution or whatever the case may be for that particular moment. And it's not something that someone else might come up with because no two individuals are created equal. But I really do believe that those that are on the spectrum have a gift. And when we talk about the amount of energy that it takes to fit into the norm, where are we losing sight of the gifts that if we were more inclusionary and really taught children, adults, at whatever point they learn that they have this diagnosis, Mm what this actually could mean for them and what it means for all of us, really, if we look at this as an evolutionary step towards something so much bigger than we can possibly see right now. You know, I really, I've said it before to people. I'm like, you know, some, you know, someone's going to cure cancer um, and it's probably going to be a neurodiverse person. And when you look at those who have been, diagnosed, you know, the, the ones that are famous, the ones that we know about Temple Grand and, you know, these individuals that are just, you know, have brought such knowledge and outside of the box thinking, they all of a sudden, you know, come up with these theories and we're like, huh, that's interesting. Well, well, you just mentioned how much you love dogs, right? Well, you know, Temple Grandin could tell you all about why it is that we respond to and and interact with animals the way that we do, mm. what they prefer, what they don't prefer, 
what, what, what understanding we need to have of another being, even though they're an animal, they are another being, they are another soul. They don't mask. Huh? They don't, animals don't mask. I love exactly. that. With broad brushes, we, we, our, our generalize, our, our, our brains generalize a lot of things and we look for, yeah, um, ways that we can easily understand and sort of homogenize things that we see. Um, and, I, and I think when we talk about neurologically typical people, um, it's an intuitiveness, uh, a broad intuitiveness with reading expressions and micro expressions and understanding social networks and and working that way they also have uh, i also find that again broadly speaking can be changed consciously by learning new skills but the the base neurotypical human has a uh, a linear um thought pattern and problem solving uh methodology again part of that is learned um but that's that's kind of where it is when you see a neurotypical or for me when you see a neurotypical person you go okay um i don't know what's going to be different about this person but i do know that a chunk of these things uh i've got a really good statistical chance that uh these things are going to be the same mm-hmm. and you know when i do when i do comedy or when i talk in front of people i find that within an audience most of that statistically works you know so there is always there's a lowest common denominator or a, a common denominator i think we should call it mm-hmm. um that has a, a a body of uh body of experiences it has a body of um sameness and then from that each of the individuals vary so it's finding those commonalities that enable an auti- or an autistic person like me to go, okay, what are the base things that I can look for to kind of give me a starting Age. point? Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the Google search. Yeah, right? totally. Where, where's my Google search starting point, yeah. right? And then I get to know more and more. So let me ask you about you specifically, Ben. Um, it's an ex- you've topic made... I'm an expert on. <laughs> Yay. Um you have chosen to delve into a world that constantly asks you to challenge that part of yourself that is the most difficult to manage. I don't, I don't you Correct. know, like you, and why did you, why? What led you to that decision? I mean, that's a decision I would totally make, by the way. But I want to know why yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I I picked that because I when I when I was younger, uh, the autism. My, so you're born with autism. It's a it's the thing. Uh, it's just how your brain's wired, and you get like that from day dot. And then you try to, you know, understand the world in which you are forcibly brought into. Nobody asked my consent, just saying. Um, so um, what, why I chose that was it didn't have a name. I grew up in a little country town. It didn't have a name. I didn't know that. I just struggled with stuff. So as a coping mechanism, I worked out by uh, reinventing the wheel because, again, when I what I'm 30, 38, 39 now, uh, when I was a kid at, at primary school, you know, we didn't have the internet. We had books, you know. We didn't have uh, – I couldn't just pick up my phone and go, why am I blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to reinvent the wheel uh, in isolation and I learned that I could hyper-focus on things so I thought, why not hyper-focus on my deficiency to bring it up to normal? And then, being a good autistic person, I didn't know when to stop. So that's how it ended up being how I make a living. That's 
and see that to me is, you know, when we talk about looking at, you know, how to turn, you know, when I talk about trauma, right. That's, that's exactly what applies. Yeah, well, go ahead. No, no, no. There's a really great, um, my favorite, favorite line about autism and trauma. Um, it says that autism doesn't cause trauma, but all autistic people have trauma. Yes. And I've gone, that's brilliant. Uh, and it talks about, uh, it, it speaks to societal change, not just yeah. for the benefit of autistic people, but for everyone, mm-hmm. um, so that we can each be who we are and each feel like we need to mask less. My, now, my masking is... Um, neurological masking but society teaches us all to mask in various ways you know and I feel like being neurodiverse I have a very uh, a very strong kinship with the LGBTQIA plus community because I feel like both of us are unable to be who we are safely in every situation so I feel a kinship with them um, and that group and they have been wonderful uh, but I think that when we talk about other groups within our society that have also been squashed, um, I think that there is uh, a wonderful opportunity for us to see everybody's bright, beautiful colours to be a better society. I couldn't agree more. And I think that that is really where, you know, inclusivity and celebrating diversity, figuring out how to support and ally with and understand with compassion and kindness um, what it is that another is going through, getting out of our fear space and saying, you know, it needs to look like this Mm. in order for me to accept it. Um, You know, when we talk about, you know, the, the idea of, you know, hiding and, you know, the, the, the facade or the face that we put on, you know. It, Maybe it's, it's Maybelline. <laughs> you know, that's so funny you were going to say, it's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's really, there is a reason why, literally when we talk about taking off the mask, right? I mean, tell me the person who has not been offered Botox at this point. If you're living in Los Angeles, California, I don't know what things are like in Australia, but I can tell you, that there is an enormous market. And when we're talking about, re- you know, I've, reading, I've, when we're talking I've, about I've, reading. I've read about the, the Botox thing yeah, in, well, in, in the States. I mean, uh, you guys are even putting it in wrinkly hot dog buns to make them smooth. I, I, I'll tell you this. When you talk about needing to read faces and expression, we're really screwing you over because everybody is just going to not have the ability to have facial expression. It's just, there, there, there are going to be- A whole bunch be... of people that are constantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, oh, well, you're surprised. You're surprised. You're still surprised. You're still so, oh, gosh, you're still surprised. Are you smiling? Are you, is that a tear? Is it, maybe, what is that? Maybe Botox was actually something that was offered to the world by an autistic person going, see how you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. absolutely wait absolutely. for the big reveal <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine um, at home botox yeah uh, they do we do oh no oh yeah uh, no, we haven't got thing. that far here because oh you know. know that's a thing no that we have botox parties imagine that how do you know yeah if, how do you know if, if all your guests are enjoying the party <laughs> <laughs> nobody is no, no, wow. nobody. No, nobody is. It's just, it's just misery loving company, honestly, is what it, you know, it's like if I have to do this to myself and get stuck with needles like a voodoo doll, then you're going to too. It's um it, it's it's almost getting to the stage where it's like Western acupuncture, except shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean we're we're yeah, it's botulism. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it's so, funny. So they get so they can put Sorry, we're digressing here. So you've got at-home kits where you can just go, I'm just going to jam it in here. 
No, you actually had to have a professional do it. Okay, okay. So, so the, America's not as wild as my head thought. <laughs> no, but I'm certain that there are people who have gotten their hands on the way to do it themselves. But the the Botox thing, um, I just find really, really fascinating, and um, it it reminds me of a time that I traveled to the Gold Coast, uh, which is our watered down version of. LA or California. Probably LA, more Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> With more water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wandering around, I was there for a show and I was uh, wandering around, I had a cup of coffee and went for a walk and there was a few beauty salons that were advertising out the front that we do anal bleaching. Oh, yeah. And I went, that's, uh, to, to put it on it, so from a business perspective, to have so much demand for it and so much business that you would need to put it on a sign out the front mm-hmm. makes me think that there's there's a lot of love for anal bleaching. Now, um, and it sort of made me look around every, for the rest of the day going, it, it, there was like four or five of them in one street. And I'm like, this, what's, what's what's wrong? What's, what's wrong with society? And then I go, is that how you tell a local? No. So I'm you sitting know, there with a cup of coffee going, is yours bleached? Is yours What's bleached? wrong? What's wrong with society is that we're we're so much more concerned with our assholes than we are with our minds and like what we're actually, you know, doing to connect. So that's where we're spending our time. If we if and we're money. If we're that yeah, if we're that concerned with our 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 literal asshole, then you know we were probably missing the bigger picture. You know what I mean? Um yeah, the, shit doesn't happen. It's caused by assholes. There you go. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't matter what color the asshole is, it's still shit. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. You know, one of the people who I actually had no idea about, um, because quite frankly, I'm not a huge sports person. This, I've read this, about sports ball. <laughs> um, but Lionel Messi, who obviously is quite a big deal in Australia, um, says, if I had a neurotypical brain, I wouldn't have achieved what I have. My way of thinking and my approach to things is fundamentally one of my success factors. Autism made me successful. And that quote is from ABC. So it's so interesting to hear somebody not only out themselves, but literally credit their neurodiversity for why it is that they are successful. And, I, and that that kind of reminded me of your story, Ben, just delving right into where the difficulty is and going, you know, I can choose to look at this and say, okay, you know, what do I need to do to feel normal? What do I need to do to conform? What do I need to do to, okay, if I have to do all those things anyway, and I have to, you know, if I have to have this pain in the ass that I have to deal with, then how can I expand upon it not only to educate and compassionately connect with others, but also with yourself. Because I think it takes tremendous courage, but also tremendous insight. You know, when we were talking about trauma before, I always say, make trauma your bitch. And oftentimes people are like, huh, that's an interesting thing to say. Um, And what I really mean by that is, I don't believe that bad things happen to people for a reason. When a bad situation happens or a situation that attempts to put you in a box or a situation that attempts to limit you in some way, then the only way out, the only way through to freedom is to figure out how it is that you're going to turn that around and use it as a tool, how you're going to be better for it. And that is what I feel like you've done with your diagnosis is that you've, like when you said you reinvented the wheel, there wasn't a place where you could find yourself on Google. So you created. Both and literally point, and figuratively, now yeah. I am definitely on Google. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. always in the, and always in the coolest clothes. Well, you know, I, I love I love your shirt. It's I wore it for you. I love it. And you know what? We were um, we were I was talking about. I was going to mention the story before, but uh, I, I read somewhere uh, when I was in the process of reinventing the wheel that 
they said that uh, autistic people lacked empathy. Now, uh, now we know that's not true. It's just they're not sure when to deploy empathy because there is an inability to read the social situation. So um, I also read in relation to that, um, so I, in my head I've gone, okay, so I don't have empathy or this book tells me I don't have empathy. Okay, cool, got that. Um, don't know what empathy is because I was a little tacker, had to work it out, found out what that was. And then I went, okay, so how does one build empathy? If I don't have it, how do I build it? So I read this um, this article because uh, it wasn't a huge amount of stuff available to me at the time. And it said that if you wear a brightly coloured shirt, it helps to develop empathy in others and it starts conversations. And Now, do you know what? Um, totally disproven. Probably bullshit. But quite like wearing bright clothes now. Well, I will tell you that I think it's a fabulous representation of your personality, way in which you interact with the world, the way in which you stand out for all the right reasons. Um, I think that's another way of just kind of wearing yourself on yeah. your sleeve, quite quite literally. I'm going to change my um, tagline after that. Ben, we'll burn your retina. <laughs> <laughs> As long as, that, as long as that doesn't autocorrect direct him, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, very close. Very close. Exactly. You just mentioned something incredibly important. There is still a very large misunderstanding, a very broad misunderstanding and misconception about empathy when it comes to people that are on the spectrum. And you look at individuals, and again, it's, like you said, each individual is individual. Um, their ability to emote, their ability to know when to exercise empathy um, varies, just like everything. But the idea that someone, I feel at times we can look at the ASD population almost as though they're automatons. Like they can't feel, they can't understand, they lack compassion. And yet you look at Temple Grandin and she's literally talking about how to connect with another soul, a dog and pet don't pat. And the way in which dogs want to be communicated with, don't you dare tell me that that's somebody who doesn't have empathy because mm. dogs, dogs, dogs can't communicate with words. All they have is expression. All they have is soul. All they have is connection. And without empathy, you can't tap into understanding and feeling for that animal to understand that being. You can't understand how that other being is feeling if you lack empathy. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to go back to that because it's such, a, it's such an important myth that we need to bust open that the idea of emoting, knowing when to exercise it, how to exercise it is different than not having it because what allows people who are on the spectrum to be feared or to be seen as the other or the, the, uh, the disabled, the disordered is this idea that they're seen as cold, mm -hmm. unresponsive, um, they're not, they're not someone who could have a friendship. They're not someone who could. And yet that has not been my experience mm. with individuals. Um, are they neurodiverse? Absolutely. Do they find things absolutely hilarious that I may not? Yeah. But they also have taught me to laugh and find the humor in something that I missed because looking at it through their eyes, it's friggin' hilarious. And, you know, it, it's this, it, it's this, it's a change in the way of thinking. It, it's utilizing a different part of the brain. I think and, our, our stereotypes yeah. come from um, the corporate equivalent of one pages. So mm -hmm. you have a 400 page document and then they have an executive summary at the front. And a lot of people just read the executive summary and, that's really nice compared to not reading it. However, there's a reason that it's 400 pages long 
because there's more depth in it and there's more more information in there to give you context for what the one pager says. And I think that's really interesting when we look at context for autistic people. Um, sometimes if I go out socially and I forget, I my, I'm, I'll have my face turned off is what, what I call it. So the words will come out but my face will just be turned off because I'm not consciously matching tone, mm. words, feeling and expression. Um, and which makes dry humour very easy for me. <laughs> I, call, I call that waking up too early in the morning. Oh, yes. Just do yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah I'm and, saying I'm saying the words, but my face is still asleep. Totally. And uh, Bindi and I both did that for you. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. <laughs> and you both and you both look absolutely wonderful, by the way. So great job. Great yeah, job. I had Zoom do my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've got a little app there where you can hit the buttons and it'll do your AI will do your lips and your but did it bleach your asshole? <laughs> well, that, that I don't know because I can't look at the screen while my asshole is on it. Okay, <laughs> that per- perfect sense. See, under yeah, actually, yep, good point. Actually, after, good after, point. After the call, if you guys could help me with that, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll help you out, man. Well, we'll we'll let you know. We'll let you know what your ass looks like in a second. Okay, good, 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 <laughs> good. <laughs> I love it. And um, talking about the, um, uh, uh, and I I think it's really interesting to see uh, how we, look, a lot of people talk about Sheldon Cooper from the character from Big Bang Theory. And within the autistic community, they go, oh, that's not, that's not, you know, that's a stereotypical, over-exaggerated, it's not, it's Mm -hmm. not accurate. That doesn't, that doesn't represent us. And I go, it, does as the it's not a final step but it is the next step for the population to go i love sheldon he's a bit different he's got some weird quirks but we accept him um he can be very rude at times but he never means to be rude he's just being clear (laughs) um and there's a lot of things that really great normal society and um I think that it's not an accurate representation of autistic people, but it is a really great awakening step for a population that isn't consciously learning about autism. I think it's interesting too that you say that, Ben, because you and I were chatting offline before um, and you mentioned something to me and I was like, oh, like Sheldon. And, you know, that was my first association in what you described to me. So it's really interesting that you said that. But through this whole conversation, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing this underlying theme of kindness and I'm also seeing this underlying theme. Well, you've kind of taken me on a journey. You've taken my mind on a journey with you and where your humour goes on that journey. And it just takes me where my mind normally wouldn't go. Filth. And that's isn't that the gift of <laughs> and isn't that isn't that the gift of being neurodiverse, yeah. right? It's like it, it takes if we're willing to get outside of our box and not put others in a box, then we realize that connection is just that easy. Because I've been I've been taken on a journey too to the point of even losing track of my my original plan of thinking. And isn't it wonderful to have that influence? To be able to be like, oh, I thought I was going to be talking about this or that, but you know what? Now I'm over here talking about this other thing and I'm so entertained by what I'm talking about. I just want to keep going down this road now. And that's the idea of connection is going on a journey together and not being so stuck on your plan and stuck on your direction that you can't allow somebody else to you know, drive along to drive the car, to be a passenger, to, you know, to backseat drive, whatever the case may be. I mean, I stink at directions. So really anybody is better than me. Um, But, you know, they invented GPS for me. That is what my friends tell me. Uh, I, courtesy of the lockdowns here in Australia, um, because I wasn't driving my car particularly much, the battery went flat in it. So Mm. then I had to, then I had to walk everywhere. There you go. So um, but, so where'd you put the batteries? Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> and incidentally, once you've inserted the batteries, nipples are not charging points. <laughs> <laughs> I 
am so glad you told me that because I, you know, I, yeah, that's part of the neurodiversity. I really might not have known that. And now you just share this knowledge on me. I really could have hurt myself um, because, you know, we were all looking for excitement during COVID, you know? So, you know, we, we, we need to spice things up a little bit and, uh, you know, especially if you get the charges wrong, you can really be in trouble. Totally. You know? And yeah. uh, the yeah, and you've got to got to research and make sure that your nipple ring's made out of the right material. Otherwise, that could be uh, quite a stress. I love that you assumed that <laughs> that nipple rings are just a thing, like that. Just like you know, like you know, like like most standard of us equipment. <laughs> standard yeah. equipment. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I, I get it now. Okay. I feel like I'm lacking, you know, I, I, not only do I not do the Botox or, you know, the, the, the bleached asshole, but now I don't have nipple rings either. I mean, I'm feeling very, I'm feeling very like in the minority. There's a lot of people that have a lot of piercings. I mean, I don't, to be fair, I haven't seen everyone's nipples. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Ben, you know, Ben, if you've seen one pair of nipples, you've seen them all. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Isn't that the case? You've seen one autistic. You've seen them all. You've seen one pair of nipples. You've seen them all. Right. Uh, The problem is, I'm trying to memorize them now. (laughs) (laughs) You got to categorize them. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You know, like what's the bar length? What's the you know what's the gauge? You know all that. You know what's the spectrum of the nipple piercing? Yeah. Um, Not in a derogatory sense, in a uh, uplifting, loving, appreciative sense. I love that we're talking about nipple rings and you say uplifting, which already <laughs> makes me feel like, you know, just that, that that's just a very positive affirmation, you know, for for the, you know, the breasted. Out yeah, there. yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. And uh, do you know what? Um, given my diet at the moment, I shall be breasted too soon. <laughs> well, then I, ex- I expect and- to see them pierced then. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yes. Uh, it's the little rings are handy to keep them. You just put a chain around the back of your neck, and yeah, you, every, it keeps everything connected. Totally, totally. It's right? really, really bad. We're talking. Uh, we're talking about connection. When there's lightning storms. Close circuit. <laughs> Close circuit. <laughs> oh my god! I love it. <sighs> so, so uh, honestly, what are we talking about? <laughs> this. This is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about how easy it is to actually connect, to go on a journey with someone who's neurodiverse, with two people who are neurotypical, although I don't know what the hell is typical about Bindi nor I. I don't think um, I'm typical in any way. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't, think, I don't think I am either. I mean, honest to God, you know, nipples. people ask. <laughs> n- 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 we all have nipples. I mean, I'm assuming. I'm yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's an assumption. Last I mean, I mm-hmm. That is a yeah. fair assumption. Okay, I'm going to assume it's a broad. Again, it's a broad. It's a good. It's like the beginning of the Google search. Well, my, all three, all three I, of us have nipples. Okay. I, think, I think my. You can prove my. Mine are on Instagram. No, okay. Because my, uh, which is another mine thing. Mine are not. Yeah, because uh, I can put mine on Instagram, and yes. for some strange reason. There's a, um, that's a, a thing. Oh. To, uh, as in to, for male nipples to be okay, but female nipples are taboo. They're they wrong. take them down or they cover them up, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... yeah with the little, with just the little, like, but just with like the little tiny piece of tape the little over it. Tasty like, type like you can see the whole thing, but just that little tiny mm. piece of tape. I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? That's, see, neurotypical, right? <clears throat> the, don't, we don't make sense. Then, but then is that, that doesn't freaking make sense. Is, Who decided it, that? Is that a cultural thing? So, yes. Because I, I see, uh, uh, Rona, because you're the um, uh, spokesperson for America in this call. <laughs> um, oh, God, help us. Uh, that's God exactly what God, the rest God. of the world says as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look at I look at some of the social norms and I see the crazy shit that's happening in Texas and I'm going, uh, why are what it seems to be a, a I mean it ha- I'm sure it happens in other countries but um, it's more visual in uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it that 
white, powerful white men want to control women's bodies, want to control um, sexuality, want to control all these things that don't even remotely fall under the concept of government or a core function of government mm-hmm. and don't even largely represent anything other than fundamentalist Christian values, which is nothing against Christianity. I think it's more the interpret. It's, I feel like it is a excuse for the exercising power over minority groups. So as a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. how, why, why is that so prevalent in, in the States? Because as an autistic guy, this mm-hmm. is me bringing it back. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I don't really understand. Why would you want to hate people you don't know? Why would you want to do that? Yeah. The short answer to that um, and the serious answer, although there is a funnier one too, but the the, the short answer to that and the the serious answer to that is that here in the U.S., as, you know, someone who's who's lived here her whole life, um, I can tell you that we fear that which we don't understand and that which will promote change. And so if women are rising up, like you talked about, if you were to talk to that little autistic child, you said, you know, get ready because we're going to take over the world. Well, if I were to talk to a little girl right now, I would tell her the same thing. Get ready because you're going to take over the world. The world's not going to know what hit them. And as women rise up, And as our LGBTQ plus community rises up and as the oppressed rise up, others become very afraid. And the more fundamental they are in their beliefs, the more inside the box they want to keep things, the more we push for change, the more that change is retaliated against with hatred. We, we, unfortunately, and I don't believe that necessarily it comes from a place of hatred. It comes across as hatred. What it really is, is fear. We, we fear that which we do not understand. And when we fear it, we want to eliminate it. We don't want to, we don't want to come toward it. We don't want to understand it better. We want it to change to make us more comfortable because where there is a right and a wrong, a black and white, we feel safer. And the reality is, is that we are never less safe than when there is one answer or a black and white. We are never less safe when we are that fundamentally challenged in our ability to connect. We love, live, we live in answer. the gray. We live in the gray. Not only do we live in the gray, but we live in all the different shades of gray. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if you have exactly. Oh my God. I was joking. Okay. Now I know. See, we've done it because we're on the same wavelength and I was just going to say it. And then you said it. So there you go. What is this podcast about? Honest to God. It's about looking at how easy it really is to connect and be on a journey together. Yep. And you even forget what the whole purpose, like, yes, it's the purpose of talking about ASD and, and whether or not it should be considered disorder and what you would, is it an evolutionary process and whatnot. But what it really is, is watching and experiencing doing it in real life. This is what it looks like when neurodiverse and neurotypical people engage and engage with open hearts and open minds. It's not about what we talk about and whether or not we hit every talking point. It's about the practice of living it. And just now we've lived it. And I've gone on such a journey and had so much fun talking with you that by the end of the conversation, you and I were about to make the exact same joke. You beat me to the punch, you bastard. but But we were about to make... The same joke. Um, so one of the other ways that we connect 
Bindi, if you'll take us home. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we all love music, and I think that's a big part of our neurodiversity as well. And uh, for every episode of the podcast, we uh, choose a song each, and it gets added to our playlist, which you'll find on Spotify. You just search for it by searching Get Real with Dr. Ronay. So for this episode, Ben, what's your contribution? Okay, so um, I actually – uh, one of the things we didn't end up touching on because I was making jokes about assholes um, is that neurologically typical brains um, can produce less melatonin, which makes it di- more difficult to sleep and stay asleep. So sleep's a really, really huge, huge deal. Um, so I have a playlist. I love cello music and... Um, there's a a whole heap of stuff that I find during waking hours that I add to a sleepy playlist. So, um, as far as music goes, I have two modes. I have sleep mode and then I have, uh, fun mode. And the one that I thought we'd add to the playlist, um, is a, uh, a song called life, life is a highway. Uh, everyone knows it from cars but um, it's a much, much older song. But I like the um, a cappella versions of a whole heap of these, these tunes because the polyphony, the complex polyphony, the, um, the harmonising of voices, the, uh, the, the frequencies that are made are so amazing and really tickle my brain in a way that I love. So... Um, there is a country a cappella group called Home Free, and they're amazing. I used to do country radio, and uh, they are just brilliant. It's from their timeless album, Life is a Highway. Love it. Beautiful. Uh, and Ronay, your song. Yes. My song uh, today, and definitely um, after today's podcast, I'm so excited that I chose this because it's exactly what I've left with. Um, Steel Panther? <laughs> um god you're great um head full of dreams by coldplay um it's botox (laughs) we'll do a parody exactly exactly we'll we'll, 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 we'll do our own like weird al kind of version yeah yeah um but yeah, Head Full of Dreams by Coldplay. It's really, it's really about um, embracing the diversity, embracing that, you know, what, what, what is, whatever is in our head, whatever, whatever our minds tell us and, and, and transcending and, and really owning that moment of being whoever we are. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of a trippy song um, in some ways. And I, I love it. Um, so wanted to share that. And uh, yours. M- my song is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Mm. Is this the yeah. real life or is it just fantasy? How how good was <laughs> uh, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? The, oh, oh, God. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What Absolutely. A, what a story. I, uh, when, I, when I actually watched that, I had a, um, I had a system to watch it. So uh, I started, uh, I, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody as a trio of films. So I started with, because they're all musical based, all three of these films. So I started with Cats, the movie, uh, the one with, without the arseholes, because they CGI'd them out, mm. which I'm very thankful for because I didn't want to see Dame Judi Dench's Cats arsehole. Um, I just feel like that'd be wrong. So I watched that and it was, terrible it was fucking horrible an abomination don't watch it although do watch it but and then i moved on to bohemian rhapsody and compared to cats it was like oh wow this is like next level and then when i thought it couldn't get better after bohemian rhapsody i watched rocket man mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that was my lockdown day complete <laughs> it's yeah. amazing so i do suggest that people watch those three films and bohemian rhapsody so many good memories. 
Mm. But I can't remember. <laughs> And uh, also the uh, the meditation uh, for this uh, episode, Connect With Yourself. You'll find that one on Inside Timer. And don't forget that playlist on Spotify. Just search Get Real with Dr. Rone. Thanks for getting real with us, Dr. Rone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben, for the epic journey that we've been on. And uh, so interesting that you just mentioned Rocket Man, because I think that's actually going to be my my coin phrase for you is that my verbiage for you is that you, my verbiage is that you are your very own rocket man. That's how I see you. Thank you. But a little less destructive to the environment than a real rocket would be. Thank you for tuning in to get real with Dr. Ronay. If you've loved the show and would like to experience coaching with coaches like Dr. Ronay or Bindi through live treatment concierge services, visit livetreatmentvip.com. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.